0: I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh?
1: Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. They're coming for you, Barbara.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Midwest Movie Maniacs. I'm Damien D. And there's no Mark Storm in this episode because he has to work. Spoiler alert, we don't get paid for doing this podcast. So I'm going at this one on my own, but I am not alone. I've got a special guest today. And that would be writer, director, actor, stand-up comedian, all-around jack-of-all-trades, Ricky Glore.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I miss Mark already. <laughs> I don't know, Mark. <laughs> he could have made this worse. You know what? No more Mark. Now it's just me. Yeah. There is no Mark. Only Zul. Who knows? You might
0: do a good job and then you might replace Mark.
1: Yep. got to watch out, Mark.
0: Yeah, should be here. We're here today to talk about your upcoming movie, All Your Friends Are Dead. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: It is uh, my first feature film co-directed by myself and Nick Hyentz. We developed the story and I wrote the script. I'm also in it because it is an incredibly low budget (laughs) feature film, like incredibly. Not just like a low budget as far as like other films that you know and go to the theater stack up against ridiculously small. I'm talking indie like 90s movies uh like in the indie world. Like Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi that he made for $7,000, less than that. I'm talking like soska sisters Dead Hooker in a Trunk for like $2,500, more in that range. Um so an, out of necessity I myself am also in it and as we were writing the story it actually became kind of semi-autobiographical where the story is about a uh, a 35-year-old guy who was king shit have turd mountain back in high school mm-hmm. he played sports and had this eclectic group of friends very similar to like the breakfast club there were nerds there was these theater kids him himself who played football there was a bully uh they all got along and they were kind of dubbed uh, a name based off of their mascot which was the wolf they were dubbed the pack they were known as the pack like all around school like oh there goes the pack uh again they were royalty in high school but there's something there's something uh not evergreen about <laughs> that coolness when you're in high school because then you leave school and you lose touch and you are not in those positions that you were right and real life seeps in and for our lead character unlike me i got hurt in high school and kind of changed my trajectory to go into theater and entertainment our lead character Uh, doesn't get hurt until he goes to college for a wrestling scholarship. And then after that, he's already estranged from his friends. He just falls down down into a hole of depression, alcoholism, and uh, pain med dependency. Wakes up one day, he's 35, and he's like, well, best years of my life are behind me. And then we follow him as different people who have recognized him from being who he was in high school are astonished to see this kind of mess of a person in front of them. And through that, he just makes the drastic decision, I'm gonna end my life. And so he writes an email to all of his friends from the pack, letting them know like, hey, I I hate that we didn't keep touch. My fault, your fault, you know, things happen. Um, I don't feel there's a reason for me to live anymore and I'm gonna end my life at the campground where we last spent uh, time together camping and celebrating senior year after graduation and so he goes to do that and to his surprise that group of friends shows up and stops him from killing himself and tries to give him a bit of an intervention unbeknownst to him there is a masked killer escaped mental patient in the woods ready to pick them all off one by one so then we kind of get to see what if the teen slasher movie grew up? Now there's middle-aged people with different fears and different lifestyles. And they're not all just worried about getting laid. Right. And our lead character now is confronted with, well, do you want to die? You have to make an active decision to live or not. And I'm happy with saying spoilers. The movie's called All Your Friends Are Dead. So I'll <laughs> let you figure out what you think happens.
0: Uh, I'm going to say everybody lives.
1: <laughs> now, how, what good a horror movie slasher movie would that be? Uh,
0: I've seen some. They're not very fun. We definitely don't <laughs> want to go that route.
1: <laughs> no, agreed. And then with our movie, some like like behind the scenes baseball of developing the story, besides, like I said, it, it having an emotional resonance uh, for me is... I am a fan, a huge fan of the horror genre, all horror. And I have recognized like a lot of the Friday the 13th. You remember like the last 20, 15 to 20 minutes of those movies. And I was like, man, how great would it be if that happened like in the middle of the movie? And then there was this third act that you didn't kind of see coming. Not necessarily a twist, not like M. Night Shyamalan, but like there's this third act that then just continues that mayhem and like maybe ups the stakes or roller coasters up i was like i think that would be cool is horror fans are pretty savvy right horror fans are it's like not all action movie fans will go back and learn the history of action films like horror fans will go back and they'll learn everything there is to know about different genres and like where things came from so we're pretty aware of the tropes and the kind of uh, ways that a slasher movie could go. Right. And this isn't like scream or anything. It's not meta, but it is, I'm someone who's definitely aware of that as well. So I'm like, okay, maybe we can surprise the audience a little bit where they'll be like, Oh, well, all the friends are dead. Uh, I just pressed paused and there's still 35, 40 minutes of this movie left. Where is it going to go? And then that's why I don't feel bad. Like kind of, spoiling the movie with the title because there's still a big chunk of it that you you're just gonna have to watch unfold
0: that that is a bit risky though because i just listened to a podcast where something similar happened and they were Mm -hmm. complaining that the movie didn't end where they thought it ended so you're gonna have some people that are gonna be like what the hell is this why is the movie going on
1: i thought it was over well sure if they're complaining that it didn't end where it should have ended i would say as myself as a movie, movie viewer is because if you don't if it's if there's padding there's padding so as i was talking before before we started recording friday the 13th not to trash him too hard but it's disposable characters with no emotional resonance or like you don't care about the characters or their stories uh for the most part there are the exceptions of like the final chapter where i think have it has the most interesting characters with uh cory feldman and um oh what's his nuts uh glover Um, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover, yeah. And so like, he's a way more interesting character than most of the disposable kids. And you're kind of the first time setting it off from the camp. You know, it's locales around the camp. So they even went in a way where they're making things more interesting. Like a lot of those films, the first 50 minutes is padded with bad dialogue. And so if there are people who are watching a movie and they felt there was a natural end point and then it went on too long, that means they just maneuvered where the padding is and they put the padding in the end. Right. Um, for ours, hopefully, people feel like the movie just keeps on going up the roller coaster hill.
0: And I feel like if the, let's we'll call it a fake ending happens and mm-hmm. then the remainder of the movie is good, people mm-hmm. will like it. But there are times like uh, there's a movie that came out a while back called AI. Yes. And there was a point where I felt the movie was over and then it went on for another 20 minutes after that, and I thought the, the last 20 minutes was so boring I wish it would have ended at the fake ending.
1: I, I, I 100% agree another example of one that did it well, though, or at least I felt this way my brother did, while we were watching it, I only saw it a couple of years ago, but Alice sweet Alice from the 70s. Um, where they they got to a point where i'm like oh well i guess this is the ending and i was just like "Hmm, okay and then the movie kept on going and like we did that thing where we did press pause and it's like oh there's still another 30 minutes right and then it just got more bonkers and i was like oh it's almost like the movie could read our thoughts like well we weren't really satisfied here so thank god it wasn't the ending
0: Right. I've I've seen some movies like that and it can be done very well. I mean, there's movies if you're enjoying it and then you're like, oh, man, is it really over? And then you find out it's not.
1: Then you're like, oh, hell yeah, we got some more. Right. And a a movie that very rarely do I want to see more of a movie, uh, especially in the theaters when it's new and it's coming out. The most recent Candyman, which I know they ended up, I think, via test screenings, cut half an hour off it, which I think probably just helped the lore and the mythology um and then they got rid of it which neutered it a little bit i think
0: right if
1: that if that's what got cut but at the end of that movie i was just like oh i want more i'm like you just got me in and i actually want to learn more about the history of all of these different incarnations of the candy and then they do it a little bit with the shadow puppets at the end i was like oh i wish this was part of the middle of the movie like i could have done another half hour of this movie right there's possibility they're
0: setting you up for a sequel with with that kind of an Mm -hmm. ending
1: yeah and i that's the that's the kind of movie that i i'd be happy if they did um a pseudo prequel where we got to see uh, a bunch of representations of those stories being told because a few of a few of them if not all of them were actually true stories one about a kid i think in Alabama who uh, the little kid one who's on the bicycle with the hook. It's a little kid candy man was a kid that got wrongfully, uh, sentenced to death and electrocuted in an electric chair, but because he was a kid, he wasn't big enough to fill out the chair. So they had to sit him on a stack of Bibles. Wow. So just that image is, is pretty grisly.
0: Yeah. It's very disturbing. Just the fact that they set him on Bibles. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually haven't seen the new Candyman yet. Uh, It just came on demand. I just saw it yesterday that it was available on demand. Oh, nice. So I'll be seeing it soon. Um, There's a chance that we'll probably end up reviewing it because Mark also wants to see it, so we might as well talk about it. The only thing I can
1: suggest is with that, Uh, I mean, it's with almost any modern movie is try not to get suckered in. I mean, I know you run a podcast where a lot of it's entertaining. If you have big emotions or big feelings about things, whether love it or hate it, but like, I'm, I'm almost at a point where I can't even go on Facebook or I'm going to just have to start leaving groups because that's all people's opinions are. And that in malignant were two ends of the opposite ends of the spectrum for me for as far as what i thought of them where people were complaining like oh well parts of some parts of the country and some people were complaining that Candyman was too socially conscious man had too much of a message and my reaction is did you not see the first one (laughs) do you not know the subject matter right because then that's on you um, if you don't like it, that's fine, but uh, to have this like venomous like visceral, just nasty response about the film, just like don't like it and then don't go online or whatever. Like right. Malignant, um, there are so many people that are saying how much they hate it or how much people, saying how much they like it and then people are like, well, see what James Wan was doing was his nod to Giallos and it's like, okay Giallos are actually mystery crime thrillers Suspiria is not technically a giallo just because uh, Dario Argento did giallos and is an Italian filmmaker didn't make Suspiria a giallo giallos do not have supernatural things in it Um, but again there's just no way to have civil discourse online it's either a love it or hate it and it makes it hard to even the The internet's great to connect people, so you can talk about things that you find people that have similar interests and in, uh, common knowledge of things that you do. Right. but where it's detrimental is that people are just yelling their opinions. and it's almost like drawing lines in the sand. like you either agree or you don't exactly. Yeah, people don't want to
0: hear your opinion if it doesn't match their opinion. and that's what when they start creating their
1: echo chambers, right. That's my soapbox. I swear, I'll try to get. I'll I'll bring more levity to the rest of this interview.
0: (laughs) To get back to Candyman, I'm going to go into it trying to watch it as a standalone. But it's inevitable.
1: Watch, watch the first one. Oh no, I've
0: I've seen the first one. But when I watch remakes, I try to watch them as a standalone movie. I don't, I I don't want to compare them. But it's It's almost impossible. It's a sequel. So they're not. It's not an attempt at rebooting or remaking the original. Uh,
1: there's a difference between reboot and remake. A reboot is, I think, when there's been so much time in between. Right. Uh, Last one's because Daniel Robital, uh is the name of Candyman, and that only appears in number two, and they use that. And they use some of the mythology that has been expressed in two and three, even though two and three are kind of not great movies. There's interesting things in both of them. Right. But neither of those touch, I think, the artistry of, of one. Like, if you love that, uh, the director's vision on that, you know, coming from Clive Barker's short story, uh, I, I I would suggest And I, even if you've seen Candyman one, I would give yourself a refresher course in just watching that first one, because then I think you will you will appreciate some things that you might just not have remembered from the first one by watching it okay
0: yeah i know like a reboot is basically like they're restarting the series like the series died and then they're just they're not re they're not going back to the beginning it's like we're just Mm -hmm. kicking it in the ass and giving it another chance at life and then remake would be like trying to retell the same story and when it comes to remakes, I try to not think about the originals, but it's almost right. impossible. I mean, it's inevitable you're going to be like, no, in the original, they did it this way. This isn't oh, right.
1: To, to bring it back to, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, God, my favorite horror movie series and move one of my, probably my favorite, maybe favorite movie of all times, The Nightmare on Elm Street, into like the little nods and winks that they did to things visually that happened in the original one in that remake I'm like, oh, these things stand out as the best thing as part of this movie. All the original stuff is not that great. I kind of just wish I was watching the original. Right. But on the other side of that is Suspiria, which I had already mentioned. I don't love the original Suspiria. Um, Out of Argento's work, I do prefer his earlier giallos, like Bird with a Crystal Plumage or Deep Red. But the remake of Suspiria, for me, checked all the boxes of what I was missing from the original as far as the storytelling goes and the characters. Right. So I think it can be done. Uh, Even My Bloody Valentine, the remake, I liked it and then it made some choices that I for me personally, I would have been fine without without spoiling it. But that's another good one. If you're familiar with the original one, to give it a watch where it feels like it's kind of a new movie and there's enough new stuff in it that makes you go oh okay I like this iconography I like this world that they're in that's similar to the original but yeah like Friday the 13th remake where they tried to do the first three or four movies in one movie (laughs) I think was a little bit of a mess
0: Yeah, I didn't like it because I mean the whole first movie you know the original was all Mrs. Voorhees and then in the remake, they gave her like five minutes at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. They just like skipped right over her whole story to get to Jason. And it's like, I get it. He's the iconic person people think of. But, you know, give Mrs. Voorhees her props because she did kickstart the whole series.
1: I, and it's you're never going to have that reveal. You're never going to have that surprise because there is that knowledge that is out there. But two things. I'll try not to chase too much of a rabbit of this. But like talking with victor miller who wrote friday the 13th one i was like he's like you know i was writing my version of psycho and then the reveal that it's not the son it's it it is the mother at the end and i'm like yeah but it's not a reveal like you cannot guess who the killer is because you were never told that that character exists right you were never even told about a boy drowning like you were not given any of that evidence so when she comes out and she gives that big old exposition dump, it works because of how good Betsy Palmer is. Right. But like when you're watching that movie and they're shooting it from POV and you're watching it kind of like a 10 Little Indians Who Done It, but you can't ever guess right. uh, who it is. But what I was going to say is for a remake, what I think I would have done, and it, uh, you're always going to piss off some like core camp fans, but I would have had maybe it's Mrs. Voorhees working at the camp when Jason is a kid. And then these these murders start happening. And you as the audience, you're like, oh, I bet you it's Mrs. Voorhees. Because that's the kind of what we know from the first movie. And right. then it turns out it's, it's her son. And that is partly why maybe he's then drowned, is that it's a conspiracy to kill him right then you have a lot of opportunities to you know explain some things that the series doesn't of like why does he go where where was jason if mrs Voorhees motive for killing was they drowned my son so i'm going to kill the people who are negligent and trying to open this camp well he disappears in what 1957 but then comes back after his mom gets beheaded where was he and if he was somewhere, did his mom know? Does his mom not know? Because if his mom knew, why was she then doing what she was doing as far as revenge goes?
0: I always assumed, based on the little scenes here and there, that he just survived on his own, like a, a wild animal out in the woods. Because there's a couple of different scenes, like in part two, where they find what they thought was the dead dog. Mm-hmm. And I always assumed that he was just hunting and eating animals in the woods and kind of just surviving like a you know almost like a wild beast but the only problem is is that he acts too humanized when we finally do Mm -hmm. meet him
1: (laughs) yes well and then again if his mom has been so prevalent around that camp because there's been multiple times as the christy as christy mentions that his family and the christies in the past have tried to open this camp and there have been mishaps there's been a fire there's been this there's been that so that means pamela has been around Right. And if Jason's lurking through the woods, watching people and what he only happens to see her when she gets beheaded.
0: Yeah. That's, maybe.
1: We, <laughs> it's not explained again. It's left to the viewer to be like, this is what I think is going on.
0: Well, maybe he saw her before, but he never realized who she was until that moment. He was like, mom.
1: And then her head gets chopped <laughs> off. <laughs> and oh, like, and that's when I realized it's my mama. Right. Well, the, I'm going to take this head and bring it back to my cabin with her sweater. Exactly. I'm going to keep this
0: forever. (laughs) My my favorite theory that I heard, which this is like the most ridiculous thing, was that there was for a while a rumor or a theory going around that Jason did drown, but he didn't die. He got caught in a bubble underwater. He got caught in an air pocket and he survived all those years only emerging (laughs) at the end of the
1: movie. Uh, Oh, well, I mean. Wait, 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 wait. Emerging, but then that makes less sense because then he emerges as an ungrown. He's the same size as he was as a child. Right. And then that negates that being a dream sequence. And then he goes from child size to humanoid, like mutant, like Hillbilly Jason from part one to part two. Oh, and also Jason travels across country from part one to part two and then comes back. <laughs> Uh, there's some some messy storytelling in that series. It's all I'm saying. And the only reason I talk about Friday the 13th so much is because it is the pivotal camping slasher movie that people think of. And so if someone would have ever approached me to be like, hey, you wanna write and direct a Friday the 13th movie? The movie I would have made would have been All Your Friends Are Dead. I would have brought middle-aged people, even though I said you should have kids as part of it. So I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite i would have been like oh what is it like when you have these middle-aged people that used to be teens you know going through the stuff that we're used to seeing?" right but just to be clear they all
0: have middle-aged people the only difference is in your movie they're actually playing
1: (laughs) exactly it's 35 year olds playing 35 year olds not 35 year olds playing 18 year olds exactly
0: because some of them are so ridiculous. You look at them and you go, come on, man. You got gray hair and wrinkles. You're not a
1: teenager. <laughs> oh, those are the best. I love watching. But I mean, y- you watch some of them and then you look up their ages and they were younger. It's just, man, people looked, some people just looked old back then. Yeah, it happens. So just to
0: go back real quick to the bubble theory, the air pocket theory. <laughs> here, here's, here's what I think happened. Jason goes underwater. He gets caught in an air pocket. Yeah. This is a magical air pocket because it keeps him alive for all those years, but he doesn't grow. He stays the same age. He doesn't have to eat because obviously there's no food in there. But then when he emerges at the end of the first he starts to eat. He finally gets food. And then the food makes him grow really fast because his body's like, oh, food. And
1: then he's big. That is some amazing storytelling that only the likes of George Lucas could pull off.
0: <laughs> well, there's so many people that have questioned how he was still a boy at the end of the first one. Well, and that's I, a dream sequence. That that's what I've always said. And people yeah. will argue it. They're like, no, 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 that really happened. And I'm like, no, no. it didn't happen. There was no way because he would have been grown. It, it it doesn't make sense because he's too young to have been, you know, for it to have been a real thing happening to her.
1: yeah yeah. i mean it's it's definitely a dream sequence uh the way it's shot the music there's that soft glow on the lens um she had just heard all about this so like she had a nightmare um the only reason that it made it a little tricky for them and the reason why there's such bad storytelling between like well if he was in the woods and he his mom is doing all this because it's her revenge but what's the revenge if he didn't die is because they just had no idea the success they were going to have on their hands.
0: Right. And I mean, it would be possible that he could have survived and she could have found him, but she, she could have still been seeking revenge just because he almost died.
1: (laughs) That's not nearly as good a motivation. No, it's not, but I mean, but she also doesn't. So you, so from a play script analysis from script analysis, that's, we know that's not true though, because she says that he died. Maybe she forgot. In, in her, <laughs> you're giving this movie. <laughs> Does this movie owe you money? Like, what? No, just uh, the Friday the Thirteenth franchise is
0: my favorite franchise. So I'll always jump with the most ridiculous conclusions yeah. when people are like, "Why that doesn't make any sense?" I'm like, "But it maybe this," and
1: I'll throw out well, anything. It- What's great is that series lends itself to the most kind of fan theories because there's so many holes so i think fans kind of garnered their own ownership of the series because right. they're like yeah yeah and it's this that's this and it's this and it's what what i find the most interesting is how fans um and i get it's because jason basically was removed from his own jason movie but friday the 13th jason goes to hell gives like the most fan like kind of like explanations of things it makes jason a dead eye explains why he's zombified you know gives some of the more of the mythology of why this could keep happening right but man fans just don't give that movie a break and i think if you moved if you removed jason from it that movie would have uh would have done a lot better
0: yeah, I mean I'm not going to lie, that when I went to the theaters when it came out, I was excited to see it and I left the theater pissed off because, you know, you're going in this far in, you're nine movies in with Jason being the star of, you know, seven of the previous eight movies, and then they take him out right at the beginning of the movie and then you never see him again till the end of the movie. So, it's like even though going back and watching it again, I saw, you know, it actually is a pretty good movie. It's just you expect Jason and you don't get Jason. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing that happened with Halloween 3. There was no Michael Myers and everybody was pissed.
1: Well, there is Michael Myers. He's just on the TV screen. (laughs) And the Halloween movie uh, exists in that world. Right, but he's not in the movie itself. Yeah, he's not the killer. But that's a baller movie. That movie is so bonkers and so great. Like, yeah, I get it. And then I love part four when he comes back. And I love Loomis in part four. but you know when the but see like i love friday the 13th part five right And that, because it's it's a little it's a little sweaty and it's a little different
0: and that's what i was about to say that the franchise had already screwed us over one time with part five <laughs> so it's like fans were like well they did it to us once we let them know we didn't like it so they brought jason back they won't do it again and then they turn around jason goes to hell and they kind of do it again so then the fans were like ah oh, screw these people we're done
1: How are the fans not pissed? I mean, they were because of diminishing returns as far as box office. But Jason takes I mean, so many times there's a bait and switch in that series. Jason takes Manhattan should be called Jason takes a boat ride. Yeah, he's only in New York for what, 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah,
0: that was one like I overall I'm probably one of the few people that actually enjoyed that movie because I know a lot of people hate that movie. And I think it's because of stuff like that. But I was a bit disappointed Because we know when they said Jason takes Manhattan, I'm like, oh, this is going to be insane body count. He's going to be killing people left and right. I mean, just walking down the street, slicing everybody. And then
1: in a subway.
0: Yeah, it doesn't happen. I mean, he's not even there. And then when he is there, he just walks by people.
1: Yes. And so there's the thing that um, people compare Michael Myers and Jason to uh, Bruce, the The shark from jaws that they're basically these killer sharks these unstoppable forces so like man the best idea is oh you have a situation where you can put that thing in a tuna can like a subway right that should have been a bloodbath and by that by eight movies in a franchise that's what you should be doing and like i'm all game for new blood part seven like uh, adding the telekinesis making your version of carrie right uh, I'm I'm in for adding some weird stuff. I'm in for Jason, you know, um, Jason X. Right. Which is basically Alien, but with Jason and not as good.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed Jason X till the end. I absolutely hated Uber Jason because I've always mm-hmm. thought he looked like Shredder from the Ninja Turtles movie.
1: Yes, that's a good, that's a good call. I don't think I've ever made that connection. But as soon as you say that with the purple and stuff and the metal mask. Yep.
0: And also yep. it makes no sense because... The little micro ant things they were supposed to rebuild organic matter, but then they re- mm-hmm. they put his mask back on his face, and that was not an organic thing. so he should have not had a mask when he came back.
1: Yeah, that oh man, the Friday the thirteenth. I I think one of my biggest disappointments in the Friday thirteenth series is that there are only twelve right now. how is how did they not get to thirteen before the lawsuits?
0: Yep, and it, it, I wish that they would get the lawsuit settled because there's so many different people that want to make more movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've I've heard that LeBron James has expressed interest in doing one. Um, uh, Blumhouse Blumhouse wants to reboot the franchise. They want to sure. They want to do a new remake and pretend the other remake never happened. And then most recently, I've heard Corey Feldman has an idea for a Jason versus Michael Myers
1: oh i'm sure he's got an idea
0: and he wants to come back obviously as tommy jarvis and then he wants to bring in danielle harris which kind of doesn't work because she died in the halloween movies but i guess maybe yeah they could say it happened before she died maybe they could work around it somehow
1: i don't know yeah yeah her character jamie lloyd sure killed in uh in uh halloween the curse of michael myers right but which the producer's edit of that is is a much better movie than the than the released one.
0: That's what I've heard, but I haven't been able to find it.
1: Oh, get the um get the box set. It's a it's a good buy. It's worth it.
0: I'll look into that one because I just recently bought the uh Friday the thirteenth box set.
1: Oh, that big the the big one?
0: Yeah, the one that has all the movies. And then uh, mm-hmm. part three is like actually three D.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I had gotten that when um, they first did a DVD release of it. And because I've watched it for so many years without the the quote-unquote 3D, um, I prefer, because of how I watched it, like, I remember as a kid, it's like, why are they holding on this yo-yo coming into this camera for (laughs) so long? Right. But that's like the uh, Freddy's Dead, that final scene. I went for years uh, seeing it. Obviously not in 3D because I wasn't old enough to go see it in theaters. I wanted to see it in theaters. I tried super hard to get my aunt to take me. And uh, she's like, no, you're seven. Even though I had seen way worse and like a lot of the other movies, we had to go see Five Old Goes West.
0: <laughs> wow. No comparison.
1: <laughs> no accounting for taste.
0: <laughs> right. But I saw the original... I mean, th- part three, Friday the 13th, 3D, whatever you want to call it. Um, I saw it in theaters in 3D, but they were using that funky red and blue 3D where the, uh, was it Scream Factory or Shout Factory, whichever, the box set, yeah. it has like the Blu-ray 3D where it's like like legit 3D. They converted it. And I, I still have a 3D TV. I'm still one of the people that has one. So once I realized it, because I didn't even know when I bought it, I just took the disc out and it said Blu-ray 3D. And I was like, holy shit. Is this like legit 3D? And I threw it in and grabbed my glasses and I actually saw it for the first time ever as actual 3D, not with that red and blue shit. And it was like really enjoyable because it's like finally seeing it the way it should have been from the get-go because I'm not a fan of the red and blue 3D. I just think it's really hokey and it just bothers my eyes over the course of the movie. So it's really a lot of those scenes, they don't look so bad when they're done legit 3D.
1: Uh, Just talking about like influences in movies. Like I, I've I've seen everything, and I love I love new and original ideas. Like we're already talking about Friday Thirteenth. I will say what I've said on other podcasts. Um, the only way we're going to get new and original ideas, because people are tired of remakes, um, and some are tired of reboots, is by supporting indie indie films. Exactly. We're not going to get that stuff from Hollywood, and when we do, it's few and far between. And so support indie original ideas. Now you are a Friday the 13th fan. So I'm going to bet dollars to donuts. You you probably are a fan of Never Hike Alone and Never Hike in the Snow. I've seen them. I enjoy yeah. them. Um, but those things, you technically aren't supposed to make money from them. Um, they raised pretty substantial budgets right. via crowdfunding. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Some fans feel like they're getting the best version of a Friday the 13th movie, or they're at least getting a version of a Friday the 13th movie while the legal battle is entangled. Right. Other, there's all these other fan films that are being made, like the My Bloody Valentine fan film, um, a lot of superhero fan films, just a lot of fan films. And it's like, look, I get it. IP and like this iconography that you know and love. It's easy to get in front of people's faces and it's like, we well, already love this thing. So now give us money to make more of this thing. It's like you have to give a chance on indie, on just these. That's the only way you're gonna get new and original ideas. Or if the people who are making the fan films are no better than the studios who keep on rehashing out the same shit you're tired of seeing.
0: I agree, but I but I can't like wholeheartedly agree because it's still Jason. Yeah. When it comes to any other fan films, I 100% agree. When it comes to me getting more Jason content, I'm in just because if if they get the lawsuit settled and we get back to getting studio produced Jason movies, then I'll agree, like stop making the fan films, let the studios do their thing. Mm -hmm. But right now, because of the lawsuit, they've kind of forced. It's like we want more Jason. We're not going to get more Jason. So these other guys are like, hey, we'll give you Jason. And it's like, well, we got to get it where we can't
1: yeah I I don't know I just say go back and watch the other movies because that's the thing is like when you do get more Jason it's it's still gonna be the Jerry Brockheimer produced or whatever Michael Bay produced or Blumhouse produced Jason it's not gonna be these other entities that are doing these things with the character right and yeah it's it's just it's a hard thing for me to sit back and watch those fan films get over like a hundred thousand dollars and it's like man you know it'd be really cool is if we came up with an original character or scenario and like you, you like you got that but you that's the that's the catch-22 is they wouldn't raise that much money right because it wouldn't have jason attached to it
0: exactly
1: because it's hard to get
0: people to notice you if you're not doing something that they already know yep yeah you know, so i mean it- I can tell you from experience doing this podcast, it's hard to get recognized because there's so many other horror podcasts out there. And it's like, we're trying to go, Hey, we're here. And some people are noticing, but other people are like, yeah, whatever. Another horror podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, So it's the same thing. And they go, yeah, another indie horror movie. And I'm 50, 50 with them. I've seen some really good ones and then I've seen some total shit shows.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, it's the same thing you're saying of the, how many are out there is there's so many crowdfunding ventures especially indie films where they're like give us money to make this thing and then it never comes to fruition right. so like a a big component of the reason why we went to kickstarter when we did was we had already filmed half the movie and the that was part of the reason was i i had the knowledge of people having a little bit of a, a nervous feeling about giving it, it, because they've given the things before that just don't come to be. So I was like, let's get half of this filmed. Let's show them what it's going to look like. Let's give them the sense of what it's going to be. Tell them who's going to work on it. And then we'll finance all of this that we're doing now ourselves. And then we'll just use the crowdfund to help us with post production. Right. Um, because those expenses really, really yeah. add up and it'll make us it'll help us get the film done quicker. Um, And we can offer a Blu-ray, you know, that physical media, so people can be guaranteed if they contributed to the Kickstarter, that they'll get the movie by October 2022. And that's earlier than we can guarantee that anybody else is going to see the movie because obviously we're going to send it to festivals and try to get a distribution or a deal where someone buys it.
0: Right. People are also just reluctant. Like I'm reluctant to donate money because... I donated one time to, well, he was an underground rap artist that I was a fan of, and he was working on an animated film, and he was making all these big promises and everything, and he's like, you know, we got it all going. We just need the money to fund it. And so everybody was giving their money, and I gave $25 because it's what I had at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was, I would say, 10 years ago, and that that movie never happened. (laughs) And reaching out to the guy asking for money back, it goes nowhere you you just get ignored so it's like well i hope you bought a nice dinner with that 25 bucks i gave you
1: yeah and that i I completely understand and get that that's that's uh, one of the reasons why we did it on kickstarter is because you have to meet your goal to get it and kickstarter has a little bit more prestige uh than say an indiegogo or just a gofundme or something right um and that's why we didn't overextend the perks either because like so many of them they'll have a hundred different perks yeah. and we're like okay we're going to offer this this and this and that's it and up until last week that's all we are offering and then we are like all right well we already reached our goal let's go for the stretch goal um where we can offer a couple cool things of like associate producer credit where your name will be in imdb with the movie and also in the credits and the other perk we offered was get killed mid-credit sequence right and as soon as I put those online, a podcast, a uh, husband and wife podcasting duo snagged both of the get killed mid credit sequence. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like someone was so excited to get it, to travel in, to get killed in the movie. Right. And when they reached out, like, I hope it's okay. We picked both of them. We're husband and wife team. We do this podcast about serial killers, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. And like, do you have, uh, do you already have it written out what the kill is gonna be? Just curious, and I was like, We had some ideas, but since you all are a podcast where you talk about serial killers, like, if you're okay with it, you'll play yourselves, you get to promote your podcast, and we'll have you get killed talking about the serial killer who exists in the movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty sweet, though, for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I checked out the Kickstarter, and I'm not gonna lie, I was a bit bummed that I don't have the money to uh, donate the uh, tier where I would get executive producer credit because I was like, oh, that would be so cool. Even though it's just my name, it would just be like, look, Mm -hmm.
1: look, you don't believe me? Look it up on IMDb. (laughs) There's my name right there. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's there's I think there's only one more of those left. I think we still have 58 Blu-rays, which I mean, I get I don't uh, I don't besmirch anybody for not being able to give a certain amount of money i know everybody is in different financial situations all the time i mean i myself you know there's different film festivals where they've reached out and they're like oh we see you're having success with this uh, short film of yours we want you to submit to ours and i'm like uh, i'm working on a feature film right now where we're raising money to finish it and i've already submitted the short to other festivals that have paid money i was like i just don't have the money right I was like, but if you can give a full waiver, I will promote on all my social media accounts, your festival, thus maybe getting other people to submit and giving some, you know, some spotlight on the festival in general. But yeah, like I get it. So I'm always happy with people who just share. Right. Like we've been, we've been weirdly fortunate. Bring up Candyman again. Tony Todd retweeted. I saw that. That was crazy. Uh, (laughs) Harry Knowles from Ain't It Cool News uh retweeted it um david cross the comedian retweeted it yep um darcy the male girl from joe bob uh drive-in like it's really cool that david cross was the, one of the weirdest ones because just a comedian he has kind of no affiliation with horror movies except for scary movie too um, but you but, you yourself are a comedian so maybe that might have been what like motivated maybe you maybe yeah i didn't even think of that but it's it's just really cool you know i'm an unverified account with like not a huge following um i've got a couple credits to my name but unless you really dig you're not going to know who i am so it it just meant a lot that there are people that do hold some power and have kind of a a following that they can then use that to help out someone that they probably don't know from adam like right. they just see that it's this indie horror movie and they're like yeah you know what it's the least i can do and that's that just I maybe mean, even if it's not someone on tony todd even if it's just like say you on twitter or another podcast or something just retweeting it to their base that that's awesome to me like that's that's all i need just just spreading the word right it's always nice to
0: get any kind of recognition
1: in yeah i mean and, to validate, yeah, that what you're doing is something that you should continue doing.
0: Right. Like, like for example, if you go on our social media, um, when we're not promoting episodes, I pretty much try to go daily, uh, looking for any horror-related birthdays or, you know, movies released on this day and whatnot. And a, you know, it was a couple weeks ago. I posted a birthday. It was uh, Darcy DeMoss, who plays Nikki in uh, Friday the 13th, Part 6. You know, Mm -hmm. the girl with the face smashed through the RV.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: I posted it It was her birthday and I put happy birthday and then she liked it and replied, thank you. And I like I lost my shit. You know, I'm like, holy shit. Somebody from Friday the 13th acknowledged that I posted a happy birthday message to her, you know. And then (laughs) um, we had a a horror con here called Midwest Monster Fest. And it happens in the very building that I work in. Okay, so I'm like right down there every night. And she actually appeared there, but I didn't know until after the fact, because I saw her posted on her Instagram after it was all said and done. And then I commented and I was like, oh, man, you were literally in my backyard and I didn't even know as sucks. And then she replied and said next time. And I said, well, maybe next time we'll be big enough that we can have you on as a guest. And she liked the comment. So I'm like, in my world, she already agreed to be a guest on our show. sometime."
1: <laughs> no, and that's but that's the thing is there are so many creatives there's so many people that uh kevin smith is a great quote that i i, I really like and like to live by it is there's plenty of why people be a why not person so i in my life of doing stand-up doing anything creative i find that there's no harm in asking right And so like a lot of things that we've gotten uh that have benefited the filming of all your friends are dead that just help with the production value we've gotten from just asking and it's ended up costing us nothing yep so like locations of like a school um a brewery uh trophies that we needed we asked this local trophy company i was like hey we're shooting this indie film northern kentucky we need a bunch of different sports trophies would you be able to loan them out to us we're super indie uh and they replied like oh well what is your movie about and i thought our goose was cooked there because i'm like oh it's a slasher movie <laughs> it's a horror slasher movie and then i i sent that back i was honest with what the movie was and they're like yeah we'd love to help out come by and pick up pick out whatever you want to use and it was kind of the same as the brewery we're just like we would love to film the scene in a brewery uh but we would need it for a couple hours if we can work it out and the schedule when it's not open and blah 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 and we would have extras needed so and they're just like yep let's figure it out let's figure out how to do it and so i think people get so worried of what people will think of them or there's a lot of self-doubt on themselves of like well i i can't ask for that who am i and blah 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 right and it's like no man ask her like when we were doing our when i had my podcast which i was saying about doing the friday the 13th retrospective um i reached out to victor miller i found his email uh was like would you come on and he was like sure so i interviewed him and during the interview which i i was loving um i i was telling him we were doing the retrospective and watching the movies and he said oh i've never seen any of the sequels <laughs> and i was like you never saw any of the sequels he's like no and he's like mm, don't really care to and i was like well it would be pretty cool would you want to come on and the guest for when we talk about one of the sequels and he's like yeah i will do that and i was like all right i'll send you a list of the movies in the descriptions and you pick which one sounds the most interesting you to watch (laughs) and so he emailed me and he's like oh based off the movies you have left to do uh jason goes to hell sounds the most interesting and i was like okay so he's like i don't have it and it's not streaming i was like i'll buy you the dvd and have it shipped to you what's your address (laughs) and like it, it was as simple as that. And then from that, I reached out to Adam Marcus, who wrote and directed Jason Goes to Hell. And I said, Victor Miller, the only other Friday the 13th movie he's seen is yours. And he did an episode. Would you want? Would you come on and be interviewed? And he wrote back, he's like, uh, can you tell me what Victor's response was to the movie? <laughs> and I told him, I was like, oh, he, he enjoyed it. Like he had a good time. He thought it was a fun popcorn flick, especially, you know, from what he created in part one he really liked that there was some ingenuity in the mythology in yours and adam was like okay cool he's like i just wanted to make sure i wasn't going to like be stepping into landmines right we're like you all have been dogging my movie and i come on and you guys are just talking shit about me from that that was five years ago four years ago adam and i have become friends I've gone and done shows in L.A., and him and his wife Deborah have come and seen me perform. We we've talked on that. Like it's just out of just reaching out and asking. Andres, uh, I think it's Andres Jones, who plays Rick in Nightmare on Elm Street Four, just reached out and was like, "Hey, we're doing Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective on our podcast. Would you want to do an interview?" And he was like, "Yep, let's do it." So yeah, like for you and your whoever you would think about reaching out to. That's the one great thing about Instagram and Twitter and stuff shoot him a message and just say, we'd love to have you come on for an interview. Yeah, I mean, I I
0: did something similar to that, not to that level, but um, obviously before going into this podcast, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I got my favorites. And then when we started doing this podcast, I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to the guys that do my favorite horror podcast, see if they would be willing to give us some advice and I just shot him a message and said, Hey, would you be willing to listen to our show and then give feedback on it? Mm-hmm. You know, what we can do better, how we can improve it or whatever. And I really didn't expect to hear back from him. And it took three or four days. And I got a message back that was like, sure, you know, any particular thing you want me to look out for? And I was like, no, everything. I just want all around feedback. And then he responded back and he was like, you know, I listened to it. Everything is great. blah bye, blah, bye. Blah. Gave some advice, mostly about like how to set up better recording equipment and whatnot. And then we've kind of been talking ever since. And even though it's not on the level of like, you know, a Victor Miller or whatever, to me, it was just cool that these guys who've got a successful podcast were willing to help out, you know, a new podcast that was just coming in. No,
1: that's huge. Like that is people. It's so it, it's, it's a weird double uh, like a double edged sword of like it is so easy to be nice and just respond to someone right especially with how easy technology is but because of how easy it is there's too many people that just don't even do it who don't even acknowledge you and are up their own asses and when people are just a little bit nice like that and open themselves up to connect with others it means the world especially like when you're when you're starting off like doing stand-up like we just lost norm mcdonald this week right and i was lucky to have a little bit of a relationship with him and to him i was just another young comedian that he chatted with every now and then right to me it was like talking to a comedy god and he would he could never realize and i think him as a person never fully realized how influential he was to young comedians into comedy in general right and that's like i always wish when someone like him dies i wish they would be able to be around for like one more day and see all the outpouring of love and affection that comes their way right so they know the impact they had
0: yeah it sucks that a lot of people don't get the recognition they deserve until after they die
1: yep yeah the 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 adulation that uh, people like him deserve yep it's 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 sad and it's what makes me a little sad And it's also it's just weird to just be like oh nothing new from that voice right will be coming our way again yeah I mean I've had
0: the opportunity to meet some people because well Mark retired a few years ago but Mark and I have both worked in the wrestling industry for almost 20 <laughs> years and The company we work for, it's just a small independent company, but, you know, they gather up the money to bring in some recognizable names over the years. And there's been more than one occasion where I'll just be sitting and talking to somebody. And then, like, just randomly, it pops in my head, like, holy shit, I'm sitting and having a conversation with somebody that I used to watch on TV. (laughs) You know, it's like they're just as cool as can be. And you're just chit chatting away and, you know, you're not even thinking about it. And then you get that moment and I don't really get starstruck, but I always have that holy shit moment where it's like, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if you're familiar with anybody in the industry, but there was a guy who was huge in ECW, his name's Jerry Lynn. Mm -hmm. And he came and worked a couple of our shows, but he was working our Halloween show. And I was in charge of putting up all the Halloween decorations and shit like that. i'm sitting there putting up the decorations next thing you know i hear somebody goes hey you need a hand and i'm like yeah you know i could use a hand and it was jerry lynn and he's over here helping me put up halloween decorations and we're just kind of bullshitting back and forth and then i just had this moment where i went holy shit i'm hanging up halloween decorations with jerry fucking lynn (laughs) we're just like two guys just two people yeah and then after he finished helping me he goes over to my little cousin she's carving a pumpkin and he goes and helps her carve a pumpkin. He's just sitting there with her talking and carving a pumpkin, you know, and I'm like, this guy was on ECW, WCW, WWE. And I mean, he's on all the big network television wrestling shows. And here he is just sitting on the floor, carving a pumpkin with a little girl, having a conversation, like a normal person, you know? And it's like, you always imagine these people are like larger than life. And then you meet him and you realize they're just people just like the rest of us.
1: Well, and that's the thing too, is like, it's, it's, it's hard to remember like whenever you see any bad stories about maybe someone who is of celebrity status who maybe doesn't treat someone or says something or even just ignores someone they they're just regular people they have bad days too right there's just some days they don't want to talk to anybody and it's hard because you know we all know we all know who they are it's like robin williams would always say that Nothing he would do, even winning the Oscar, would make people forget that he was Mork. Right. Because he was on TV. He was in your home. He's like, So I won the Oscar. And then a week later, I was walking down the street and someone's like, Hey, Mork. And he's like, Oh, I guess it's still with me.
0: <laughs> right. But to be fair, some of the people in Hollywood are just assholes. Yeah. I mean, they're not That's all.
1: Everywhere. That's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. They're
0: not all just having a bad day. Some of them are just shitty people in general. And then being like elevated to that superstar status just makes them even more shitty people.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It strokes their ego and it. It gives them uh, all the reassurance that they, uh, that they've always thought that they were better people anyway. So now they just have, have that power. Right. But to go back to
0: what you said about Robin Williams and Mork, uh, the best example I have of that is Robert England. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you are familiar with it, but before way before there was an nightmare in Elm street, he was on a show called V Mm-hmm. where he played an alien named Willie Willie and Willy the alien to this day, when I see Freddy Krueger, I, I always go, that's just Willie. <laughs> like, even though he's created this iconic horror character and he's everywhere. as Freddy Krueger. I still look at him and see Willie.
1: I mean, that's it's uh, he is in a Burt Reynolds movie called Hustle from the early seventies where spoilers. Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen Hustle, you're not gonna search it out now. <laughs> Burt Reynolds for a while in the early '70s before he kind of became as well known as like the good old boy Burt Reynolds and the car driving Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He played detectives in a lot of movies and even on TV. And in this movie, Hustle, him and his uh, girlfriend, he he talks about. He's like, we should get away. We should go to France. We should get someday. We should just leave it all behind, uh, and we should go to France. And after this case, that's taking place over the course of the movie he it's such a grisly case that he's like i'm walking away from being a detective i bought us two tickets to go to france and he's like go pack a bag i'm gonna go get us a bottle of champagne or something there's a liquor that i think they drink that he's like i'm gonna go get that he goes down to the liquor store and a very young robert england is holding up the liquor store and shoots and kills burt reynolds at the end of the movie and so like that like you said like willie mm. it's like watching that and then seeing him as willie i was the same way of like oh this is just that kind of like little spazzy guy <laughs> now he's freddie this like the personification of evil and just like such a nasty character it's like it's so funny to just see i mean uh, robert england's a very good performer right he's definitely got a lot more levels and what he did with Freddy. is unmatchable
0: yeah but it's definitely hard to separate certain actors from roles that they play no matter what they do like they're always that person in your mind
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know like uh jamie fox i watch beat shazam and every time he comes on beat shazam i always think of wanda from in living color
1: <laughs> yes you know and it's like <laughs> how many
0: years ago was that you know he's gone way <sighs> past that he's done so many other things but yet that was such a like an iconic character. such a part of my, you know, my youth that I'm like, yep, that's Wanda
1: at least 30 years ago. That's so funny.
0: Yeah. But it's just, once you do something that big, it's going to stick
1: with people. Yeah. It's like, I mean, like so with Robin Williams and Mork, I mean, there's some people who don't accept it and they have a hard time. Um, Adam West was one for years. He hated being typecast Henry Winkler notoriously people would come up and be like hey it's the Fonz and he's like I'm Henry Winkler I'm an actor and blah 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 and like I get it like I get how hard it is because of going through the the mental struggles of being a, a starving actor a struggling actor wanting to get something that clicks to pay the bills and so you can do this profession that you love right and then getting that thing and it catapults you to a stratosphere that you don't can't even fathom. Right. But then being like, oh no, now it's a curse because now they won't see me as anything but. Yeah,
0: he's definitely another example of that because anytime I see him, that's the first thing I think of. It's like, hey, it's
1: the funds. <laughs> I mean, and it's hard because again, double edged sword of like, he's so good at it, but you know, he's like, That's not all I am. Yeah, and an example of that that uh, comes to mind is
0: going over to the music industry, Vanilla Ice, obviously Ice Ice Baby was his biggest song. And mm-hmm. he grew to hate that song so much that when people would ask him to perform it, he would like cuss him out and just like, you know, fuck that song. I don't want anything to do with that song. And then finally, one day, he just had a realization like I wouldn't be who I am if not for that song. Mm-hmm. And he kind of found like a new appreciation for it and actually did like a new version, more like a rock version on one of his newer albums and started performing it again in his concerts. Cause it was like, he kind of came around and went, you know what, I can't hate the song that made
1: me who I am. Right. And it seems like from the outside, it seems like such an easy thing to understand of like, well, yeah, of course, that's the thing. That's why people even know who you are. Right. But again, you never know those exact struggles unless you're in, unless you are that person.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not easy, especially when you're trying to do other things and you're like, you know, I don't want to just be that guy. I want to be the guy that does all these things. And then eventually you just go, all right, I guess I'm that guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a lottery anyway, to have at least one thing that you're known for. Right. It's hard. Right. And then you see these people that do everything like
0: actors and singers. And, you know, it's like, is there anything that guy can't do? Like, geez, <laughs> share some of that talent with the rest of us, man
1: it's yeah i mean there's a little bit of management a little bit of forethought surrounding yourself with good people of you'll see some of the i mean just look at the trajectory of the career i've already said burt reynolds you stack him up against clint eastwood who they were on the same track for many many a year right well clint eastwood was treated the people behind the scenes very well It was very calculated and smart with what he did with his money and how he treated those people at the height of his fame where Burt Reynolds was eaten up a little bit by the glitz and the glamour. It was a little bit too much of a playboy and a prima donna. So then when he, when his star started falling and he started being less viable, those people behind the scenes could turn their back on him and it was fine for Clint was smart and he's like, all right, I'm going to start directing at the height of, like, as my stars rising and I'm going to get in the good graces of all these people who actually run Hollywood. And so then when he was no longer the leading man, and even during he would, he had this side hustle of being a director. Right. And he was just always a commodity. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that now with people like Seth Rogan, I was going to say Seth Green, but Seth Green too, Seth Rogan, Seth Green, uh, Danny McBride, and David Gordon Green, right. Jordan Peele. You see these guys who are sh- very smart to, I think, sometimes know what they don't know and surround themselves with those smarter people and to create these production houses and put their money and their creativity into other forms. And again, it's all just lottery because I'm sure other celebrities have tried doing that and it just doesn't work. But I think those are examples of people who are really knocking it out of the park. Right. I mean,
0: it's a lot of choice comes down to, uh, you know, you're investing your money and then you're putting out shit products, then you've wasted your money. Mm -hmm. But the people that you named have all proven that they can put out good product.
1: Yeah, they've been smart about it somehow. They've They've just not got, I mean, you hear the the stories of, you know, MC Hammer is one of them, you know, Davy Jones of the Monkeys, Burt Reynolds, again, another one, where they've turned over their finances to a manager or whatever, and they believe and trust that they will make proper investments. And then they go back to those people and they're like, well, where's my money? And I'm like, well, you have none. We made some bad investments or some investments that didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. And now you have no money. And then those Celebrities no longer have the power to do with what they want to do. Now they do what they have to do, right? You know, so they'll have to continue por- performing at these state fairs and these smaller venues. And, Oh man, we have chased a rabbit much farther away from what we were talking about. And <laughs> I got to get going soon. It was there any other questions or anything that you were curious about as far as the project or in, in our world of horror? Yeah. Uh... It may have had some, but we've gone so
0: far <laughs> <after> that
1: <but laughs> that's okay with me.
0: I mean, I think we we covered the main thing, which was discussing the movie. You got out there what the yeah, movie yeah. is. um and then here in a second, we'll give your uh, opportunity to give your social media and you know how people can get a hold of you. Um, and then I guess if they have any questions that weren't answered here, they can reach out and you can just answer them directly.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm always happy to. Just like we were saying before, my inboxes, my DMs are open. Instagram, Twitter. Always feel free, even if it's just a question about, you know, screenwriting or movies or whatever, I'll give you my opinion and I will give you my two cents. Always take anything with a grain of salt. Right. Um, Because you, you might not understand criticism or instructions or opinions when you get them. But I'm someone that even when I hear something I don't necessarily like, I know there's been times where even like a year later, I'll be like, oh, that's right. I was told this. Now it's really applicable. And I kind of understand what they're talking about. Right, right. So which is always happy to do that. It's the approach
0: we've taken with the podcast is that I want all opinions, even if they're negative, you know, tell me what you don't like. Tell me why you don't like it. And then if it's something we can change or improve, we will. If it's something like you know well, i just don't like the sound of your voice well nothing i can do about that you know <laughs> just move along all right
1: bring out the voice modulators
0: yeah let's bust out auto-tune from here on out <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do our podcast like we're uh mumble rappers t-pain t-pain or uh kanye west who did a song called oh, yeah death to auto-tune then turned around and auto-tune the shit out of everything he did
1: mm-hmm. like, oh my god kanye
0: like <laughs> kanye should have learned what death means because death to auto-tune should not mean I'm going to auto tune everything,
1: mm-hmm. man. What a conundrum. <laughs> what a psycho he um, this is years ago when he was doing his fencing mask. Mm hmm. You know, are you, you remember that phase? Yeah. Well, yeah. So he was at, I think, Bonnaroo and he was wearing the fencing mask and someone got his set list after he was done and his set list had his songs listed. But then also in parentheticals in between songs, it had written out affirmations like there'd be a song and then there'd be in parentheses. Hey, take a time to reflect that you're doing a really good job. Even if the audience isn't giving you what you feel like you deserve, you're doing the best that you can be and you're doing the best Kanye you can be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you're insane. Yeah. You need medication.
0: Yep. Well, have you heard the latest? That he he's trying to get his name legally changed to just Ye, oh, which I guess is sure. pronounced
1: Yay. Oh, not Yi, ye? not Yeezy.
0: I thought it was Yi, but then the thing I saw they were talking about it, they said he wants to be called Yay. Oh, uh,
1: for like Kanye. Yeah, yeah. Like, Yay. Yeah, like Yay. He changed his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Yay. <laughs> I mean,
0: I guess it could be worse. He could have been trying to legally
1: change it to Yeezus. Oh my God just let him do i mean he's a circus of a person like just let him do it so it's like so many try to emulate these things that came before them so i would say that this is his like grab at trying to be on a prince level but like the reason why prince did what he did was because of his contract with warner brothers like it was calculated and it was business right. but whatever
0: and it's unfortunate because kanye is talented Mm-hmm. there is so much talent there but it's just everything around him has become such a mess that even his music
1: is being affected by it well he is uh there is i i think a a great amount of and maybe it is blurred of pageantry that he is aware of that he is purporting for this brand or this idea of "ooh, look at me i'm crazy now again some of that might have blurred and it's actually maybe worse it's not as much of a, a front mm-hmm. or Uh, a put on but like snl 40 a few years ago at the 40th anniversary where he performed and he did a couple cool performances visually not sound wise (laughs) um he when he was in the audience they cut to him to see his reactions and he was laughing at one of the live things they were doing Mm -hmm. and when he realized the camera was on him he got real stone face like he was hard yeah But like before he knew the camera was on him, he was giggling like a little kid. And it's like, man, like, why do you have to be so conscious of this like presentation? Just like be cool with having fun. Right. I bet you anyone that started this podcast is like, hey, let's make a guess of a topic they won't discuss. (laughs) Kanye. (laughs) Right. Right. So he's
0: he's gonna have this actor comedian guy on there. They would definitely not talk about Kanye surprise
1: that's the one thing like if we can if we can bet on yep kanye and also
0: just a random thought fuck taco bell for getting rid of the mexican pizza (laughs) Uh, might as well throw taco bell in the mix too just just get them out there just
1: put them on blast yeah well thank you for having me on Uh, i'm not sure if you watch my horror shorts that i sent you but if you want to put them in the show notes i cannot post the links now myself because they're in festivals. But if someone else posts the unlisted YouTube links, then that's okay.
0: Okay. I'll do that. I'll put them out there for you.
1: Awesome. I I think I'm able to release them in February to the broad public.
0: Yeah. I'll definitely get them out there for you. And I'll and I'll edit out this part where you're asking me to get them out there for you. So it
1: doesn't (laughs) Oh, I don't care. You can leave that you can leave that in. Like I said, as long as it's me not sharing the links i'm okay okay that's what that's that's what you love about loopholes oh yeah gotta love them
0: and i definitely appreciate you coming on uh because you actually are well i was gonna say our first guest but i guess technically my first guest since mark's not here
1: yeah it's just yours you don't share that with him this is something you and i had special that's right (laughs) you are you are the (laughs) first guest on the podcast Hey, and I, I'm in the Midwest. i was born and raised in the Midwest. I'm happy to be on the Midwest movie maniacs. Right. So. And I love a I love alliteration too. So three M's.
0: <laughs> yep. Or M three, as I always call it when I'm talking to Mark about it, because <laughs> I don't want to type it all out. So I'll just be like, next episode of M three. <laughs> M cubed. Yeah, I do it that way because if I say three M, then I think of tape. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah yeah yeah. I don't want to say three M. That's a thing. So M three is what I call it. But either way, you're the first guest. so I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you coming on. And I'm glad that we kind of just did our thing and talked about anything and everything.
1: I'm happy to come on again at some point.
0: And uh, we'll probably have you on again. Um, I was going to say when the movie comes out, but that's like a whole year away. We'll probably get you on before then. Uh, Maybe you can jump in and join us in a review of something. I mean, we kind of love to do that. We kind of go each episode. We right after we record then we decide what our next one's going to be. So Mm -hmm. I want to compile a list. I was just saying the other day, I want to put together a list of shows. So then if if I call or not call you, what am I talking about? Nobody calls anybody anymore. (laughs) If I message you and say, hey, do you want to come on? I can give you a list and say, tell me which movie you want to talk about.
1: That's great. Yeah, I'm always definitely drawn to ones that I haven't haven't seen. Uh, Or if it's just one I have seen that, I'm just like, oh, I'm dying to give my two cents on this one.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some that I want to talk about just because either I really like them or I really hate them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the next episode we do, the movie that we're doing next, uh, it should be an interesting episode because I do not like the movie and Mark watched it for the first time and called me to tell me how much he loved it. Mm -hmm. What is it? Uh, I can't say Uh, because I'll uh, I'll release this before we release that.
1: Okay, okay. And then the, uh, the fun will be gone. Well, let me just say before I go, I'll mention my socials and that uh, uh, whenever you release this, there'll be less days than there are now, but as of right now on September 21st, there are nine days left in our Kickstarter. Okay. So make sure that if you definitely want to see the movie, you want your name in the credits and you want a social media shout out, get that Blu-ray perk. There's 50 of, 58 of them available. If you have the do re to get your name listed on IMDb Mm -hmm. and in the movie as associate producer there's one of those available and if not if you don't have the money to give just please go to the kickstarter campaign and just share it with your other horror friends maybe you all throw together and you get one blu-ray and you watch it together there you go you kind of have like a you have like a split parent relationship where one of you gets it every other weekend (laughs) (laughs) that'll work and you can find me on Twitter, at Ricky Glore, where I said I'll answer whatever. Shoot me a text, shoot me a DM. Uh, also Instagram, at Glore Ricky. You're going to see a lot of stuff about this movie, uh, about my stand-up, and bonus of cute, fun pictures of my two-year-old daughter, because uh, I just sit back and marvel at her her incremental growth every day and the little person that she's becoming.
0: Yep. There's definitely some cute pictures. I can vouch for that.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> and then uh, you can find us pretty much everywhere, but the main would be Twitter and Instagram, Maniacs Pod on both of those. Facebook, Midwest Movie Maniacs. We are on Slasher and Midwest Movie Maniacs. And if you want to email us, it's Midwest Movie at gmail.com. And with that being said, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will see you next time. And on that note, goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye, Mark.
1: Mark's not on this. It's just you and me. Ah, shit. I thought thought this was special. We just said it's just you and me, and you're pining for Mark? God damn it. You said Mark's retired, and he still couldn't get on this podcast. You got me. (laughs) Uh, In that case, say goodbye, Ricky. Goodbye, Ricky.